Our world is in desperate trouble, and it's going to get worse. I want to challenge you as we take a trip today together to Keswick down in Whiting, New Jersey, where I address an audience about get out of the boat. In the midst of a storm, Peter dared to get out of the boat, and even though he sank, he was on his way to Jesus, and he was salvaged. I want to talk about that with you today. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Finding and knowing God is a faith walk. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our hope lies in the coming Messiah, who will establish God's peaceful kingdom on earth. This is Faith Walk with Ron Susek. Dr. Ron is an evangelist committed to encourage and equip your faith walk as we pass through these turbulent end-time days awaiting that soon-coming kingdom. Here again is Ron Susek. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 reads this way, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Other words used in that translation are faint and perish. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no prophetic, what do we mean by prophetic? Where there is no future to your vision, people perish. You start to languish. You start to feel needless useless. And you realize that they're using you just to haul something here and haul something there, but not using you to gain life values. And I want to challenge you to stand up to that. First of all, by believing who you are in Jesus Christ. And that you're not going downhill. You are reaching the summit, the pinnacle of your life. That's how God designed it. That's how some cultures in this world honor that. I've been to places on this planet where just because of who I was in my position had women bring my meal to me crawling on their knees. Just an expression of honor. And their children speak to those mothers with the most respectful words you ever ever heard. And you let them violate that, and they'll have a dad's backhand across their mouth so fast. Don't ever allow this world to strip you and rob you of what has taken God years to build into you and equip you to be a primary person in your family. Even if your family doesn't grasp it, you be it. Jesus ignited purpose, really ignited purpose. And he ignited purpose when he gave to his disciples while sitting together the signs of the end of the age. And this is why you're hearing many people speak on it. This is why I'm compelled to speak on it. I believe we are very soon to hear the trumpet. Here's what he said to his disciples as they sat together, and this is recorded in Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, 
When will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Not talking about the rapture. Talking about his coming for the kingdom, which means you might be out of here real fast. Because we're out of here before that. Verse 4, and Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. This is your responsibility. You've got to discern the false teachers. You've got to discern the false prophets. That's your responsibility given to you by Jesus Christ. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's birth pang number one. See that you are not alarmed, for this, watch this, must take place, but the end is not yet. You remember we talked about the wars of the world, beginning with the Tower of Babel? These things must take place. Why? I don't know all that Jesus had in mind, but I can say this. They are proving that man is not God capable of governing himself. Verse 7, for a nation will rise against nation, that's ethnos against ethnos. Do you know how many nations there are on earth? During COVID, they said about 187. There are, they tell us in missiology, there are 12,000 nations on earth because every ethnos is its own nation. Do you know how many nations we have in America? We have the African, we have the German, we have the Latino. We have all kinds of nations under this one umbrella. They say there are about 12,000 nations on earth. Kingdom will rise against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes. And these are the birth pangs, the beginning of the birth pangs. And they are happening almost daily. 500 fires in Canada, wiped out Maui in Hawaii, fires on the other side of the ocean, earthquakes breaking out. It's all happening right before your eyes. Don't kid yourself. Don't go to sleep. We are in these days. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Nothing new to that, is there? You don't hear about it too much here in America, but if you go with me to some foreign fields, you'll hear about it constantly. People being martyred because of their commitment to Christ. And you will be hated by all nations. Why? Even the land that was once the freest land on earth is trying to shut up the church. You're not allowed to witness. You're not allowed to carry a Bible to school. You're not allowed to, wait a minute. Who put them on the throne of heaven? Verse 10. And then many will fall prey or stumble and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. 
Isn't it benumbing to think of the thousands of women who seem to be able to allow life to be removed from them? Isn't it shocking that we have teenagers who will see a woman the age of some sitting here and knock you over just for the fun of watching you crack your head on the cement and walk away as though he's a hero? The woman that just recently was thrown off of a bus by a teenager cracked her skull, and while she's bleeding, he takes her purse, and people walk by and just look and keep walking. This is, this is America. This is where if you'd have tried to pull that off a couple of decades ago, you wouldn't have gotten very far. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because law of lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And all Jesus said so far is not, these are only the signs that I'm coming. But it's not the end. Here is the end. And this gospel good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, all 12,000 nations, as a testimony to all nations let chills go up your spine with what I'm about to say. And then the end will come. That's why we're, that's what we live for. That's why you're here. That's what we want to know in God's word. Faith requires high risk. Think of Abraham. It was high risk for him to really believe that he could trust this voice from on high that said, I want you to lay down the life of your son. What, what a risk of faith that he would be able to go and take his son up to the mountain, lay him out to die, and get to the point of holding a knife over his son in obedience to God when God took his hand and said, no, no. I was testing the depth to which you will trust me. And God provided a lamb to be slain. It's interesting that his son Isaac, as a young boy, had a similar faith. He knew they both would be going back home. But please don't take lightly the fact that, that that story had such a magnificent ending because you will be called to that same kind of test at some point in your life. Not, not the same as him holding a knife over his son. But I can tell you this. God will hang you between him and all that you cherish, whatever that is. And you have to choose, do I want God or what I cherish? And when you take what you cherish most and you throw that at the feet of God, 
You have passed a rare test of faith. And only heaven knows where you're heading for the achievements of your life. And God is not playing a game about this. It's not that he wants what you're offering him. He didn't want Isaac to be slain. He doesn't want the thing that you cherish. He doesn't need any of that. What he needs is you. He needs a heart totally broken before him saying, here I am. Here I am. Everything I am, it's yours. Everything. And when God has access to you like that, only heaven knows how far that will go. For Abraham, he became the father of the nations in the spiritual sense. And every major religion on earth, from Christianity to Judaism to Islam, bows to Abraham. Because he said to God, everything I am, everything I cherish, it's yours. Humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time when he knows the time is right. Think about David, just a young kid. (laughs) And Saul offers his armor as this young boy is about to go from the shepherd field to face a giant. (laughs) And David tried on the armor and said, no, this is too much. This is too big. This armor only fits a big ego. And he goes with a little slingshot and stands in front of Goliath, and Goliath is roaring and laughing, and he's... He's ready to mop up this little kid. Right in the forehead comes a stone. Falls to the ground and his own sword is used to cut off his head. David's fame spreads rapidly. Now the man who offered his armor wants to kill him. You're threatening my throne. You know what Saul's problem was? He never died to himself. And when God gave him a great position of responsibility, he began to take the glory for it and ended up on a battlefield with a man standing over top of him with a sword, prepared to plunge the sword of death into him. And Saul looks up and and says to this young soldier, who are you? And he said, I am an Amalekite and plunges the sword into Saul. My friend, hang on to your life. Go ahead. You'll lose it, just like Saul did. Throw your life before God as David did, as Abraham did, and what you'll gain will go beyond your wildest dreams. Now, Dr. Ron has been talking to us about the end-time days and wants us to prepare for the coming kingdom. And he has written a book titled The Assyrian Prophecy that is a missing part of the end times puzzle. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Write, for these words are true and faithful. The world is not ending. God is preparing a new world soon to begin. 
An ancient nation thought lost to extinction is soon to rise anew to prepare for that day. Isaiah identified this nation in a prophecy that has been hidden in plain sight for some 2,700 years. Its name is Assyria. My new book, The Assyrian Prophecy, reveals how Assyria will join with Israel and Egypt to bless the world under the soon coming Messiah. Amid today's chaos, God is searching for righteous people through whom he will bring the prophecy to completion. When you reach the end of this book, one question will be in your mind. Lord, what would you have me to do? You can learn more at theassyrianproject.org. There's a story in the Bible that I want to share with you that has rung in my head and my heart over and over again. It's found in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 and following, and it goes this way. Immediately, as Jesus was ministering to people, watch these words now, they're, they're very important. Immediately, he made. That's an imperative command. Jesus wasn't being nice. When he said to his disciples, would you please get into the boat and go to the other side? He was making an imperative command. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, crossing the Sea of Galilee, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. The Bible tells us that the wind was coming from the front, coming then from the back, the right side, the left side. These men were going down. Just as you will be in situations in life where the waves are beyond you, you're going down. And in the fourth watch, that's between three and six in the morning of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. Interesting. He promised to be with you to the end. You never know when and how he's going to show up. And chances are good you will not recognize him. Nor did the disciples. Look at this. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. <laughs> it's just an old beggar. It's this guy. It's just another human. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, and I, I, we all love Peter, don't we? I mean, this guy, if there was a door and a wall, he walked through the wall. You know, that, that was Peter. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. That was a smart ending, on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. He actually made it. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and being beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, Peter, I understand how scary that was. Remember that? 
Go ahead, throw eggs at me. You know I'm lying to you. What did he say? Oh, you of little faith. What's the matter with you, Peter? What's it going to take for you to believe me? I am God, not the waves, not the devil, not demons. I am God. What are you doing sinking in the water? But in grace and love, he took him and lifted him up, just as he will to you. As a result of that, when they all got in the boat and the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I'm going to say something, and I hope I don't offend you. I don't want, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to encourage you to lay hold of who you are in Christ, and don't let your children or this culture that we live in rob you of who you are. In the boat sat 11 frightened pew-huggers. One man dared to risk faith and walked on water. Lost it? As Moses did. When Moses first got into Egypt, his first meeting with Pharaoh was a shocker. Pharaoh came at him like a hurricane. And if you read your Bible, Moses went out in the desert and said, God, is this why you sent me here to get your people killed? And I wonder if he heard a voice out of the sky saying, I don't think that's the way I put it. And then he grew in his faith more and more. And the harder that the Pharaoh would spit and sputter and threaten and warn, the more Moses said, let my people go. And Pharaoh played the game too long and lost his son and lost his entire military. Now, do you think these are just stories for the Bible? No, my friend. These are stories to tell you how it will work in your life when you truly throw yourself before God. I keep nothing for myself. Everything I have in them, it's yours. And then when God brings you into the great test, you may sink in the water. You may go out in the desert and say, is, is this what, why is this going wrong? That's fine. That's understandable. But Jesus will pull you out of the water. And guess what? You'll join the ranks of those 12 men who ultimately got out of the boat. Let me tell you the scene. This is awesome. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he had an appointment with his disciples. I want you to meet me on that mountain. It's not identified in the Bible, but he had an appointment, an appointed place on a mountain. I want you to meet me there. Well, you know where they were. They were in their houses, huddled, scared to death, wondering how, now that Jesus is dead, how are we going to re-enter and, and the shame and disgrace we're bringing on our families because our great Savior is now dead on the cross and on and on. You know, they, they were frightened. Then they got word. The tomb is empty. It's empty. All the guards could say was, we were asleep. They weren't asleep. What's interesting is that they remembered. We have an appointment. You have an appointment. Every one of you have an appointment every day. 
that get with the Lord on the mountain. What did he do when he was done with the crowd? He went to the mountain alone to pray. You've got to learn to spend hours and hours and hours before God. Why do you exist if it's not to pray and be to be with God? Why do you exist? Well, if you're not doing that, I'm going to tell you, this culture will wear you down and wear you out and offer you nothing in return. Ah, but 11 men remembered the appointment and they made the appointment. And there they were on the mountain. Jesus appears and he gives them a command that has lasted to this day. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me by my Father. Go, therefore. What's the word therefore? Therefore. It's saying, go in my Father's authority that's being bestowed upon you. Go and preach the gospel to 12,000 nations. Then I'm coming back. I know I'm putting scriptures together, but you get the picture. What's interesting is that not one of those disciples, remember what all they they were through, learning how to die to themselves and trust Jesus and trust his Father. Not one of those disciples raised their hand to say, Lord, that's a great idea. I'm willing to go, but where where do I get the money to get on the boat? Do you have any motels lined up for me? By the way, Lord, what are the retirement benefits? Not one question. Not one question. They turned on their heels, went down the mountain, went to boats, went to horseback, everything, and literally turned the course of world history. And turned the course of eternal history. And that same commission falls upon you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and all watching by television, and me. If 11 men can turn the course of world history, I don't know how many people are watching this right now, and how many will see we're going to re-air this in days ahead on our television network. They tell me that that could be reaching into the millions every day. If 11 men, by the power of God and death to self and alive in faith obedience to God, can turn the course of world history, what in the world could a million Christians do if we just die? Forget ourselves. Throw ourselves before God and say, as Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. I want to close by this simple statement. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Ron, you don't know my age. Get out of the boat. Ron, I got physical problems. Get out of the boat. Ron, we've got family difficulties. Get out of the boat. Ron, 
I hardly have retirement money. Get out of the boat. Rise up to your calling. It doesn't depend on what you are or are not, have or have not. It depends on our almighty God who will back you, build you, supply you, and empower you to perform the impossible. Well, thanks for being with us today. And we hope you'll join us again next week as we find courage for the journey in our faith walk.